I'm Ruby Redstone. And I'm Lara Johnson-Wheeler. And we want to invite you to get dressed with us. Or at least think about getting dressed. While we talk about getting dressed. This is a transatlantic podcast about fashion, where we explore what it means to have a relationship with clothes, the issues both personal and political garments can raise, and our own ever-evolving philosophies of dress. Hi Ruby, how are you doing? I am good. I'm a little bit hungover and I was going to say it's early in the morning, but it's really not early in the morning anymore. Um, how are you? Same. I'm feeling pretty hungover too, um, but it's about quarter to four here and it's really time that I wasn't so hungover. Yeah, I think this recording this podcast is going to be our cure, so we're good. The fashion tonic that we both need. <laughs> exactly. Um, what are you wearing today in your hungover state? Well, I've already had a bath. I did a workout and um, I went to the post office in my attempts to stave off the hangover. So I am fully dressed. Um, I'm wearing an outfit today that I think is very quote unquote me. Um, I got dressed and I wanted to wear this Batshiva top specifically for you, my fine feathered friend. Um, it has, like we've discussed in previous elements, uh, previous episodes, excuse me, it has all of the elements of a piece that you and I would both like. It is um, pink, but it's got kind of a sheen to it that is, um, it's got a not very nice um, sheeny fabric. It's got these big leg of mutton cropped sleeves. Um, the bodice shape is pushing my boobs up to where they were when I was about 18. Um, and it's got a sort of v- cropped V um, at the bottom. I tried one of those on when I, I visited their like atelier workshop thing right before lockdown started. And I tried one of those on. It's actually cut from a dirndl pattern, which is why it has that V at the bottom. So my dirndl inspired Bathsheba top. Um, but I felt that I didn't want to wear a skirt with it today because I had a lot to do. Um, I'm going to be running around a bit this evening, um, mask on, naturally, under these circumstances. Um, but I didn't want to put it, pair it with a skirt because I felt like that would look a bit too saccharine for the kind of look that I wanted today. Um, also, the weather right now in London is very, very changeable. I'm wearing it with these um, kind of striped seersucker flared trousers that actually I wore on the day of your wedding last. Oh yeah, I know those. Those are your summer pants, so you have them on. Yes, they are, my friend. My summer pants, and then I'm wearing them with my um, white Margiela Tarby flats, my little ballet pumps. Oh um, my God, what a cute outfit. Oh. Very cute outfit, um, but no makeup, but my face is like a little pink flushed and hungover, but yeah, it's a very cute outfit. I've actually really enjoyed wearing, I mean, I'm, neither of us are big makeup people to begin with, but I usually do like a little mascara, a little blush, and I've kind of enjoyed having a break from that during lockdown, and I think it's going to be something that I hold on to just like, I don't know. Normally, I really like makeup, and I feel like I would feel kind of lost without it because I think it's nice to be a woman and have a day where you wake up feeling not that great about yourself and you have the option to just do some really lovely makeup and I know men have that option too but it's just more standard for women to do it yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. But I think I yeah, do. I never really do makeup either. But I I've always got into this thing of doing like if my hair is feeling a bit greasy or if like I'm not really in love with my outfit or I have to wear something a little bit more like plain for a certain occasion, then I'll always do like either like a bright orange or pink or blue eye or like a very red lip. I never like to do um, more than one makeup thing, but I've just been wearing like sun cream <laughs> this <laughs> whole lockdown. Uh, that sun cream smell, I'm not going to let go of that. Oh, and I just feel like, yeah, it's been a nice reminder. I mean, I think this happens to me every summer. The second I get a little tan, I'm like, oh, I, I forgot that I'm gorgeous and I'm throwing away all my makeup. <laughs> um, but, but it's been nice to realize that, like, I don't actually need that to go out in the world. I'm perfectly fine to, you know, go about my day with no mascara. No one's going to care. Absolutely. What are you wearing today, Ruth? Um, I have to be honest with you, I am in my pajamas right now. A lovely crisp white pair of pajamas, but they're still pajamas. Um, so let me tell you what I'm going to wear. Gabriel and I are going out for a little picnic in the park later, and I'm going to wear a new blouse that I got um, from Mason Cleo, that company. Um, mm. If you follow them on Instagram, it's a mother and daughter in France who hand make all these clothes, and they're so cute. So I finally was able to get my greasy little paws on one of their shirts. Um, it's in a bright blue, like ocean blue silk, and it's a sort of 30s style wrap top with puff sleeves and a little collar. And I think I'm going to wear that with a sheer mm. coral colored tutu thing that I have. Sounds stunning. I can't wait to see your picnic, picnic look. I have really been working on a strong summer color palette, of which I know we've been trying to talk about summer clothes and really bright mm. blue and bright pink have been like a combination that I'm loving right now. Oh, I can't wait to see more. It's been kind of weird weather over here. So it's been like, I've been wearing lots of like dresses with no tights, but long sleeves, like that kind of thing. Um, and making sure that shoes are not those that I'd care to get caught in the summer rainstorm. Yeah. I... On the other hand, like the petrichor, the smell of, you know, the rain on, on Lon hot London tarmac is so delicious that it's kind of worth it. Oh, I love that smell. Maybe not even specifically in London. I just love hot pavement and rain. Good smell. Really good smell. God, it's just making me want to jet away to warmer climes, which actually brings me on to a topic that I wanted to discuss with you, which is how I feel very much like the kind of um, Jacques Mou holiday trend is very much um, continuing this season, even though people um, have been held back by, you know, the current uh, travel bans and everything given the coronavirus situation. I was WhatsApping with my friend Sarah McAlpine, who's also a fashion journalist, and she was um, explaining how her feelings a little bit on this. Um, and I'm gonna quote her in fact, because I think she said and made a really good point. She said, maybe it's my algorithm, but on Instagram, being not able to bugger off to the beach or maybe because of it, everyone's still feeling le soud with those Jacques Mou vibes, sand and stony shades, you know, terracotta walls, big palm frond, Mediterranean energy, uh, brackets, glossy mag speak, <laughs> well-traveled insouciance or from the souk to the city. I was noticing this too just yesterday, or no, maybe the night before Gabriel and I went out for a walk and I love, mm -hmm. I'm so fascinated always to see the trickle down effect of any, you know, big designer like that. And I saw like four or five 
young teenage girls all in these Jacquemus adjacent looks, like sort of the little sundress with the pull ties hanging off of it and flats. And I was like, oh, okay. I kind of love that look when I see it on a younger girl who it's meant for. And I almost in a strange way prefer, I prefer the sort of double distilled version of it that's maybe from Zara or something to the original because you know I have I have beef with the Jacquemus as we've talked about um, it's just not my style but I do yeah I've been noticing it everywhere and it shows no sign of going away well I think you probably like it more and I agree with you completely but because it feels more authentic because that look is something that's been kind of mined from you know it's all about celebrating youth and then once it's taken from like this idea of kind of um, you know, uh, ease and youth and vivality, um, and then it's taken and put on a catwalk and then reappropriated again, and it's back on kind of the young person um, that inspired it. I think, you know, you see where fashion then comes full circle in that sense, and you see a trend really fulfilling its, its prophecy. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's just that full circle idea. Also, I feel like this is just dawning on me now. Maybe with all the mask wearing, people are feeling mm. like they need to show more skin. You know, you kind of have to double down on the skin somewhere else since your entire face is covered. Well, I've been thinking about the, you know, what a gross tabloid might call flesh flashing um, oh. concept as well. <laughs> Being as we, you know, we've spoken so much about, you know, the modesty trend. And I think that it's going to be a really interesting thing to see kind of, oh, sorry, that is my phone popping up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really interesting thing to, to be seeing, particularly here in the UK, is a lot of what's kind of being talked about just in like, you know, BBC News or whatever is how people are really turning back to exercise um, and trying to like shed the lockdown weight. And I'm, you know, that I'm so interested in the kind of the, the intersection and the correlation between trends in weight and how for women that um, affects their dressing and so what I've been kind of interested in seeing is how that maybe will apply to fashion trends I wonder if this narrative that people will have to you know um, get back in the on the treadmill or whatever to shed the lockdown weight will kind of encourage the type of dressing that um, that sort of ends up formulating that what I mean by that kind of dressing is, you know, um, sort of certain kind of early noughties and, and, and 90s trends for, um, you know, tight lycra or like bodycon or, um, you know, the Hervé Leger aesthetic. I wonder if that kind of look um, as implemented by that kind of societal shift may come back round. I do feel like going back to our, um, our earlier predictions at the beginning of lockdown, um, from what I'm seeing during my walks around town, um, I'm jealous that you're seeing so much kind of uh, of the Jacquemus uh, simple dress look. From from my side, I'm seeing a lot of this trend of like oversized shirts and shorts or like denim skirts and oversized t-shirts. Kind of this look of like Shania Twain, um, men's shirts, shorts, skirts, a wa oh that, that kind of look. <laughs> I went to an all-girls summer camp and we would listen to that song every Friday. So it like brings me so much joy in a way that it really shouldn't. But um, I mean, it's a bop. Yeah. But I can't say that this trend, like this is something that, this is the kind of trend that um, I think for me, like given my body type, I really, really move against. I really don't like, enjoy that. 
Yeah, it's kind of a universally unflattering look, which is, I think, part of its appeal, but also, yeah, no, I totally get that. I've been really wanting, I think I'm the only person wanting to start this movement that I've seen, but I've been super fascinated by historical style in the sense of looking at what comes after pandemics, and I've been really, really into um, 30s dresses, which have never appealed to me before. It's never been the cut that I like, that sort of bias cut with a center seam, long dresses. Um, usually I prefer shorter things, but it's just been appealing to me. I'm Googling now for style dress because it's not something that I'm familiar with. Yeah, I, oh, I love this. I love this style. Right? Yeah, and it's very wearable that length because it's ankle length, but it doesn't drag on the floor. You don't have women wearing heels at this time for the most part, so it's pretty lifted off the floor. Um, and I've just been fascinated in thinking about like, that's what came after the Great Depression and the tail end of the Spanish flu. I mean, that ended more in the 20s and then you had the Great Depression and then you had this 1930s dressing. And I've just been really fascinated by that style and it is resonating with me in like an emotional way, this idea of taking humble mm. fabrics and recutting them into more beautiful dresses. Cause you'll see things in like super simple cotton or organza, which was cheap at the time and then cut into these amazing styles and I've just been really drawn towards that. What do you think might be our equivalent? I don't know and I'm I wish that I had some foresight. I mean it's this time where I feel like everyone is trying to envision the future and we just can't and it's the first time in a long time that I felt like I have no picture of where things are going so I just don't know. For the first time during this pandemic I've actually felt quite excited to be living in you know what historians will be probably calling um you know a, an era defining time or whatever um and I'm also quite excited that we are going to be those people who you know as, as people who write about fashion as people who buy fashion um as people well you more than I have got to be honest um you know influence fashion I think it'll be really interesting how we can kind of own that and shape that and take that on yeah and even in terms of materials I mean we're seeing a big, big turn towards recycled materials, which I, mm. I'm, I'm in a gray area on the recycled materials because it's a fantastic idea. And I love actually, uh, speaking of uh, being an influencer, I finally qualified. I'm Scandinavian enough to get free clothes from Ganny. So they sent me a dress <laughs> that's made out of recycled water bottles. And the fabric is really cool. Mm. It's like this shiny paper bag sort of material. And they've just cut this super simple spaghetti strap wide parachute dress with it I'm interested in seeing where that goes but I'm more I still think that in terms of making clothing the world has a long way to go in terms of human rights and workers rights in the garment industry before we even get to recycled fabrics so I'm just I don't know if that's going to be our sort of 1930s version of using cotton I I don't know if recycled water bottles yeah, absolutely. I mean, also given the sort of incredibly problematic nature of, you know, cotton and the history of that fabric in itself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, personally, my, my big, big thing is buying secondhand um, and I suppose almost kind of like letting go of a lot of the, um, you know, emotional connotations of a garment by feeling that you bought it from someone who's worn it already.
I'd like to talk a little bit more with you about what's going on in, in New York, what's going on in the US. I'm so interested um, to hear more about what you think is going to happen with style. What are your predictions, Ruth? Okay, so here in New York, we're in phase two of re-emerging from lockdown. I don't know if we're I don't know if we're following the same phases. Do you guys have set phases for your re-emergence? Lol, as if anyone has any idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, restaurants and pubs are looking to be opening with kind of more social distant measures. Um, the high, as I said before, the high street has kind of already opened um, and non-essential stores are opening too. Um, if I'm honest, like walking around London, it feels very much like people are sort of locally locking down. So like there's not necessarily very much travel around the city going on, but um, apart from, you know, essential travel to work, but that people are kind of out and about and around in their local neighborhoods, um, generally wearing masks and sometimes gloves. Yeah, it's very much the same vibe here. We've just been okayed for outdoor dining. Um, mm. My block has been shut off so that from traffic so that restaurants can set up outside. So it's like I live in Paris now on my street, which is um, pretty nice. I don't know if I love it. It looks good. <laughs> no traffic and outdoor dining. Good yeah. Lord. It's crazy. They've okayed it for almost all New York City restaurants. So all these places that previously did not have outdoor dining because it's in the street now have outdoor dining. And it, it looks good. Um, Health-wise, I hope it's okay. I have not partaken mm. in the outdoor dining yet. Um, I had some outdoor wine at a safe distance, but... <laughs> You've been outdoor whining. Yes, I've been outdoor whining. Um, and then on this coming Monday, we get our, our privileges to have some retail stores, some beauty salons. I'm very excited. I have bleached hair and I haven't had my roots done in more than three months. So I am very much looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> well, but interestingly, that's, um, that's, I read somewhere that uh, the, the grown out roots is tapped to be one of summer 2020's hottest trends. So as usual, Rue, with your bleached blonde hair and your grown out roots, you're ahead of the curve, babe. Um, there's something I wanted to bring up that um, speaking of your street being blocked off, there is a well, a sport or a pastime that I've really noticed has taken off here in London. And I wonder if it's had the same effect in the US. Um, and I think it's going to be something that is really, really impactful upon the way that we as women dress. And that is cycling. Okay, well, I'll tell you on a personal level, I am the world's worst biker. I think it would be dangerous for me to bike anywhere where there's a car present. So I am not partaking, but the streets here are absolutely filled with people biking more than I've ever seen in New York. Yes, I sense so. Similarly, I am very bad on roads, but I do love cycling. Um, I'm a very happy cyclist. Um, but one of the reasons that I never really have cycled in the past, I have to confess, is because of my love of um, inappropriate footwear. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about this, given that um, I don't really like shoes that don't have a heel. I really am not a big fan of trainers. And um, I will, on any given day, wear more tool than is strictly necessary. So I'm interested to see as well. Um, obviously, the cycling shorts trend appears not to be going anywhere, um, even though, and I consulted a few people on this trend before our podcast, um, before today's recording. Um, and I have heard kind of overwhelming loathing for the cycling shorts trend 
um, in London. I personally don't hate it, but I'm interested to see whether people will really utilize the cycling short trend and the newfound love for cycling as a way of safely getting around the city. Well, safely, <laughs> fingers crossed. Okay, I'm really taken back here to an outfit that I loved. I would say summer of 2013. I had just graduated high school and I wore these um, ballet shorts all the time. So they're like cut off pink mm -hmm. ballet tights, which would maybe appeal just purely color wise to you. And then I do a sheer tool dress over that. And it was very cute. Now I'm wondering if I can recreate that. I don't have any more ballet tights, but oh, that's good. The mental note of that. I actually, I love the, any kind of ballet wear. Um, when I was, when we were stuck in Oxfordshire, I actually was wearing ballet shoes all, around the house all the time. And that's something that I really loved to do. It was a little bit Amy Winehouse. It got a little bit gross at times, um, particularly if I was going outside. But yeah, the ballet type thing I like a lot. But I think the cycling shorts thing is very much a look about kind of power and strength um, and, you know, this, and also showing off kind of like a certain um, body type. Yeah, and it's all part of kind of a huge trend that incorporates both fitness and style right now of this sort of, hourglass figure, Kim Kardashian-esque bike shorts and sports bra and mirrored sunglasses look, which I actually, I think it has a time and a place. I think I don't need to see it on, you know, every place I go. I don't want to see it in a super dressy occasion, but I actually really like it. And um, my sister is a very cute workout gal and she has these like super cool matching sports outfits that she does that I would never wear, but they look so cute on her. And I'm, for the most part, I'm happy to see that on everyone. Yeah, I'm with you. I really like the cycling shorts trend. I do wish I had a little bit more confidence um, to go for it. But as a thick-thighed lady, it's um, often eluded me. I will say one thing for the cycling shorts look, though, um, which in skirts and dresses I find are very difficult in summer, um, and that is thigh chafe. Um, I have written and spoken extensively about thigh chafe, so I won't bang on about it too much. Um, but it is something that uh, cycling shorts really manage to um work against and that's always a bonus so they're sort of double utilitarian you can cycle and you can walk comfortably oh that's that's good points for cycling shorts there's this really good um product that asda does in case any of our listeners out there are interested asda used to do this i don't know if they do it anymore but asda did this like talcum powder baby um formula thing that was like a silky liquid and that was really great and there's a Actually, there's a company as well in the States, um, and I haven't been able to get it over here. So any of um, our US listeners, there's also this product called Mega Babe by Chase. And so those are my two transatlantic <laughs> recommendations um, for by Chase in the summer. I also must recommend the Mega Babe natural deodorant. I'm a, I know that's a device. Of really? I'm a big natural deodorant fan, and theirs is the best one I've ever tried. Ooh, I have another summer trend, non that I wanted to ask you about. Tie-dye. How are you feeling about tie-dye? Rue, I take my hat off to you. I take my knickers off to you. And most importantly of all, I've taken all my socks off to you because I really attribute my newfound love for this to you. Um, after I hadn't, worn a, I hadn't worn a piece of tie-dye for many, many years until your wedding, um, at which you kindly gifted 
both Patrick and I, um, orange and pink tie-dyed jumpers. And we loved those. And then in lockdown, I tie-dyed pink and white my socks, two pairs of Patrick's pants, and all of our um, grotty old towels. Um, so I feel very pro tie dye these days. I'm still a little bit hesitant to wear like too much of it. I like the sort of delicate pinky tie dyes I've been doing, um, but I think that's maybe like a little bit too far for me. Um, but tell me what you think. I mean, I know you're a big lover of tie dye. I'm a huge lover of tie dye. And if I'm being honest, I feel a tiny bit possessive now that I see so many other people wearing it. I'm like, oh, but. Yeah, I kind of think you should. <laughs> Especially because I grew up um, with a slightly hippie mom who loves tie-dye and we did a lot of like shibori tie-dyeing and all of that as kids um and so that was always part of my style and then recently yeah I mean starting last summer we tie-dyed 50 sweatshirts for the wedding at my bachelorette party which was probably not a fun um activity but I love tie-dyeing so I enjoyed it and uh, in lockdown we've tie-dyed pants I'm looking at a pair of pants right now sitting in my laundry pile that I tie-dyed and then embroidered with some little mushrooms they're very cute um, what I'm working on right now that I'm very excited about I just won in an eBay bidding war this Edwardian dress and I'm going to do like a full tie-dye redo of it because I have one Edwardian blouse that I tie-dyed to cover some stains and I love that anachronistic mix. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see this Edwardian tie-dye dress. That's gonna be really fun. I think for me personally with the, um, with the kind of, the, the reason why I'm not like fully invested in tie-dye right now is because I, I worry a little bit that it will be, um, I will feel similarly to it as a kind of summer trend that I did with crochet a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I think I got very invested in, crochet as a um a look and I got I really really turned off it I think for me as well tie isn't like kind of it's not necessarily like inherent in the way I was brought up or the DNA of like how I I dressed it's something that I've definitely like taken on more in the last few years I think really mainly your influence and Gabriel's influence and I will shout out another one of our friends um Anise Touton um <laughs> who uh kind of influenced me a little bit with that too it is Strangely, I feel like one of the things Americans really get right is that summer style with sort of 60s tie-dye and crochet and short, short denim shorts. I, my sort of trashy American side deeply loves all of that mixed together. Mm. See, I am going to be, I think this is going to be maybe one of the first times on this podcast that we fully disagreed because mm -hmm. all of those things are styles that I really, really push against. Like I really dislike really short denim shorts. Um, I really dislike crochet these days. I feel that the kind of, um, the image that it's summing up for me is kind of like um, that scene in Dazed and Confused when they're all at the, at the party, which I think is a look that like when I was a teenager, I thought was very cool, but I don't relate to it at all anymore. Ah, uh, see, I still love that movie. One of my favorite movies still would dress like any of those characters. I'm fully sold on it. I also think part of it is like sort of what we were talking about with recycling clothes and upcycling, yeah. I've always loved the production side of garments. And like we talked about, I worked in shoe production. And I'm really, I think maybe in another life or somewhere down the road, I'd love to be more involved in the production of clothing. And so tie-dye is like a little taste of that at home of like, here's how you make yeah. a textile. Here's how you 
you know, drain and treat and repair fabrics, which I love. So that's it definitely did really, I can definitely relate to that. Like I really enjoyed the feeling of like interacting with a, with a garment and kind of watching it change before my eyes. I tie dyed one of my, um, a Comme des Garçons t-shirt that again, I loved, but it had a, an annoying stain on it. So I tie dyed that and it had a sort of, um, a, a collar um, that was sort of shredded silk and then a shredded satin. And I loved how um, each, and so it was a cotton t-shirt with those two differing fabrics around the collar. And I loved how each of those dyed a little bit differently. And I was like very interested to learn about that. I just bought a sewing machine. So I'm really excited to like get to grips with that kind of thing. I've also just realized now that um, in a very uh, panicked post-coffee rush on like Monday, I think I ordered an industrial vat of tie-dye. So like <laughs> every color of the rainbow in these massive tubs of tie-dye powder. So by the time we are fully out of lockdown in stage four, there's a good chance that my whole body will just be tie-dye. There is one more um, uh, summer question that I have for you that I, I think probably like a lot of our listeners would be interested to hear. And that's about summer shoes. We touched on it a bit when I talked about um, inappropriate shoes for cycling. But tell me, Rue, what kind of shoes do you like to wear in the summer? Okay, this is so funny because when I was having my outdoor whining last night with a friend who is also a fashion writer, well... I think we're going to run out of our circle of people who work in fashion by episode four. But my lovely friend, Callan, she was looking at me and she was like, oh, I love your shoes. And then she straight up said, you never wear comfortable shoes, do you? And I started laughing because I was like, I, I really don't. You know, I wear, <laughs> I wear the most uncomfortable shoes at any given point, And that really doesn't change in the summer. I love my Repetto Mary Janes. I love a flat sandal. Um, but I also love like a knee high Victorian boot with shorts and I got some major internet flack. I wrote a piece last year about packing for summer trips and I said, I don't, I don't believe in practical shoes. So just wear whatever shoes you want. And a lot yeah. of people in the comment section did not like that. They were like, this girl <laughs> is crazy. Like she, she needs some sneakers. <laughs> and so I think it's just a lifetime of growing up in a big city. I'm used to walking mm. everywhere in whatever pair of shoes I have on. So that's my philosophy. Um, are my feet completely battered and bruised? And was I missing my big toenails for half of this year? Yes. So I can't really speak to my, um, my foot health in that way. You and me both. I think we have um, very abusive relationships with our feet, but it's all, all in the name of uh, the love of, of a good shoe. That being said, um, having kind of bad practice when it comes to um, you know, heels or, or unhappy footwear means that I also hate, um, I hate shoes that really show off my feet at all. I like a shoe that um, will cover it up or if there happens to be any kind of um, toe situation as you might have with like, I don't know, a Birkenstock, which is one of my favorite summer shoes. I always like to pop on a sock, particularly right now um, in lockdown where like I would normally maybe get a pedicure just right at the beginning of summer, something gel so that it stays until the end. Um, and that situation has not been dealt with. So I'm feeling very, um, my toes are feeling a bit vulnerable. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I don't like to show my feet, not even, I think I have fine feet when they're in nice pedicured condition, but I don't like to show my toes very much for some reason. So I mostly prefer a ballet flat or a Mary Jane for the summer or socks. And I'm realizing now, Laura, I have a fourth tie-dye confession. <laughs> Go on. Uh, 
last week, my 11-year-old cousin and I got matching tie-dye Crocs. I am <laughs> not surprised since you asked me a while ago how I would feel if you got Crocs. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not deeply impressed, but I'm not going to bully you either. I will just leave that confession where it lies. And I will say, I love you and I accept you for who you are. <laughs> Thank you. Your support means the world to me. And the Crocs are hella comfortable. So that's my one practical Probably. issue for the summer. Other than I do that, just want to quickly go back to the toe issue that, however, oh, um, yeah. I completely agree with you. And I, but when it comes to toes, like it, for me, I don't think it's about um, my toes being unattractive. I hope they're not. But I do feel like um, when I see someone's toes, because the, the foot naturally for me indicates the floor, which indicates dirt, I feel like seeing someone's toes um, in any situation, even if we're like sitting outside in the grass, if someone's got bare feet, I naturally feel like I can see the dirt um, that's like on their body. So I'm really, really funny about that too. Um, but what I do like, because I kind of think that um, like, I think that one of the most attractive things is the cleft toe in a Margiela shoe. Um, I like the kind of insinuation of um, the, the shape of one's toe. That's not to be said that I think that those like five toe running shoes are cool and sexy. Um, I don't, and I think there's a big, big distinction. However, um, just also on that vein, I have found um, a trainer that I'm really into these days. Um, and then Nike Rifts, which I had when I was younger, um, but I just bought a new white pair um, from the kids section of JD Sports um, because I'm lucky enough to have um, kids size feet. So I'm ready to bring those on and show off my cleft toed trainer shoe. Oh, I'm so curious to see those. Um, I have massive feet, so I'm not shopping in the children's shoe section. But I agree, I think it's another like city thing. Like I feel like people who are capable of wearing flip-flops in New York City or in London are, have like a, a part of their brain activated or deactivated that like I don't because it just, I, I would be scared to step outside with flip-flops on. Even a Birkenstock, it's, you know, it's like maybe three quarters of an inch lifted off the ground. It doesn't feel like enough between my foot no, and I agree. It's for me. It's also it's like it's a sock and stock or or don't bother. Um, I think there's also like flip flops. I I debate over because like I I'm fine with them on the beach, but really there's one time and one there's one place and one place only for a flip flop, and that is on the beach. And even then, I don't love the way that they like when you're walking on the beach. They like flip sand in your ass crack. Like must they? Yeah. No. Also, I think maybe it's a personal foot problem, but it really hurts my feet to have that thing mm -hmm. in my toes. And even I have the, the tobby flats and those really hurt also. Something about my, my first and second toe don't like to be separated. Oh, really? That's so funny. I mean, people always ask me about tobby. I think maybe I have very naturally separated big toe and second toe. You have, you have two little toes. Tobby's my good, good, good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hoof-like foot look, but I think my feet don't want to be hooves, naturally. I think maybe I'm more more centaur than girl because they love it. Actually, I wrote about this in, in the first piece that I wrote for Miss Vogue like years and years ago. I will have to link that because I love that piece. All you've got to do is invest in more blister plasters than you ever thought were possible to need. And there's a new product that I also recommend, which is um, a... I can't remember the name of the blister plaster brand, but they do this like rub 
Um, maybe we should link that too because like I cannot recommend that enough. Um, you basically put it on, you apply the rub um, in places that you think shoes will pinch and it does, it's like a preventative and it's so good. Oh my God, I'm very interested. My friend Georgie recommended that to me last summer and it changed my entire summer. You know what? There was this kind of cuckoo girl at St. Andrews who used to wear these super high heels. And once when she was very drunk, she took me aside and she was like, you know how I wear these? And I was like, honestly, no, I have no clue how you wear those <laughs> shoes. And she was like, before I go out, I rub my feet down in um, ibuprofen gel, like pain <laughs> relief gel. <laughs> and then I wear the shoes and I was like, wow, you are either a genius or a Mental. big freak for punishment because I <laughs> But there are definitely ways. I am so fascinated by that. I mean, you know, there's also so many reasons why people have foot fetishes because shoes naturally um, border that very fine line between like masochism <laughs> and you know, beauty. One more thing that I've been thinking about for this summer is whether we will have a like viral garment. And I'm referencing a couple of like viral garments that occurred last season. Um, Zara had a, over here we had Zara's polka dot dress that was just referred to as like that dress mm -hmm. um, on Instagram and in the media. There was a, I want to say it was Reformation, but maybe it was another brand, I'm not sure, and that did like a tiger pattern slip skirt, that Ganny, um, like lime green and black smocking check dress so i wonder after that little explanation i wonder if we will have another viral piece and i wanted your opinion on what you think makes like a summer viral garment go viral okay wow a lot to unpack here that skirt was the um leopard print skirt from realization par that i actually really liked <laughs> until it became memed within an inch of its life and it was like somehow every store in the world got the idea to put a skirt like that on display like a leopard midi skirt with a yeah. white t-shirt and a leather jacket and it's an outfit yeah. that it's a cute outfit like i have no problem with it but all of a sudden it was like every single person in new york was wearing that <laughs> the problem when like like it's i feel like that like i didn't love that skirt thank you for um correcting me so it's realization par and it was leopard print um but I felt like that Ganny dress, like that green Ganny dress, I looked at it and I was like, love. But then every single person was wearing it. And I was just, the feeling like that is just, you do not want to look like a clone. Yeah. The first thing I think a garment has to have, which is kind of sad, but the sad reality of our world is that it has to be photogenic because that's how things like this get circulated. And that green dress is like the prime example because that color is so rich and that pattern looks mm. fabulous in photos. And it makes you want it immediately. Absolutely. I was talking to, I interviewed Victor and Rolf um, a couple of, maybe last year. I went to Paris to talk to them um, for a day. And we were talking about that collection, you know, the couture collection that had um, the statements on it and all of the big colored tools. And I was talking to them and asking them about what it felt like to make a, a couture collection that went viral and, and what kind of impact that had on um, their thinking about fashion and they were very very um, kind of surprised by it what I was interested in was that they were saying that they never before had thought about what it meant to make clothing that just had to be photographed in order to feel successful yeah 
it's a, oh, oh, it's a challenge. Uh, you know what's another one of those things? The basket bag. And I held out for a long time. I didn't want to be a girl with a white blouse and a basket bag, but I found this really, really cute little strawberry pink one that I've been carrying every day. And it's kind of the perfect bag. So I've given in there. Oh, sweet. I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's a, it's a cutie. It's a little vintage number. But yeah, what do I want to be the viral garment this summer? I want it to be something weird. I want it to be like... Yeah, definitely. A very extreme... No, I guess Jacques must have the extreme sun hat. What do I want it to be? I was imagining that um, given the prairie trend, I felt like people would be turning more to bonnets. I thought bonnets were going to really come back in a big way. Oh my God, you know I love a bonnet. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm eternally disappointed that no one brings that back. Like, I do think well come autumn, um, given the uh, protective gloves are a thing right now. I think that like lace gloves or satin gloves, like an evening glove with like just a very normal outfit might become more of a thing. Also referencing the Christopher Kane rubberist collection, um, oh, yeah. maybe like big industrial rubber gloves will become a look. Ooh, I would really like that. I have... I don't think they're very protective, but I do have bookmarked on my birthday wish list a pair of lime green tool gloves. I don't think they'll protect me against any virus, but I would I would love protective gloves and I would love um, more hats with the drop down mask feature so that you can still see the face, but it's covered by a protective layer. That reminds me of the Marine Set collection from last season. Yeah. Okay, so maybe those are going to be the things. I don't know if, I think those will probably come into... Fashion. I don't know if those are going to be like the big viral trends. The key thing about those pieces as well, like the Zara dress, the Realization Pass skirt and the Ganny dress, was that they were all kind of um, uh, attainable. Mm -hmm. It has to be palatable when it's that kind of trend. Like it has to appeal to people who are both very fashiony and people who are only lightly sort of dipping their toe into getting dressed up so I think like a leopard print or a plaid is good but anything more extreme than that like I don't think we're going to see some kind of Issy Miyake style melting tweedy pattern becoming a big trend I think you're right well any of our listeners if you're um if you have any predictions please do email us and let us know what they might be at rubyandlaragetdressed at gmail.com Oh, and I would love, I would love a chic little um, hand sanitizer carrier, like the teeny tiny bag, but that perfectly fits a hand sanitizer. Yeah, I see that coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, until then, I will be in my gallons of tie-dye and my uncomfortable shoes. Ah, well, I will be doing much the same. So I look forward to trading blister plasters with you soon, my fine feathered friend. Bye, Rue. Hope the hangover passes. Oh, you too. Bye, Lara. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We'll be back next Friday with another fun one for you. Lara and I also wanted to give an extra special thank you to all our amazing listeners who have rated and reviewed us on the podcast app and on Spotify. If you haven't already, we would love for you to do so. It helps boost us in the charts and gets our name out there while we're still getting this podcast started. Thanks again for all your kind words, your love, and your stars. See you soon.